Hey leaders, before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about a free event that I'm hosting, your personal leadership audit live workshop. I've put the workshop together because if you want to stand out as an exceptional leader, you have to know yourself inside and out. Understanding your strengths and weaknesses is critical. And for that, you need a high degree of self-awareness and a commitment to self-reflection. Now, if you're committed to unlocking your leadership potential, then working through a self-assessment like this is going to help you to quickly identify a path to higher impact. I'll be leading you through a deep dive into the seven imperatives of my No Bullshit Leadership Framework, so that by the end of the session, you'll know exactly what areas you need to develop if you really want to stand out from the crowd. We're only opening up 150 spots, so register now at yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. That's yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more, access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 232 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, What Motivates Your People? Revisiting a Critical Truth. Motivation can be pretty tricky, trying to work out what you can do as a leader to help your people reach a state of motivation and stay there for a little while is more complicated than it sounds. Should you try to make them happy? Should you pay them more? Should you lavish them with praise and positive feedback? The truth about what motivates people might surprise you. Interestingly, 
the path to motivation isn't an easy one, and it's not a path that many people will tread of their own accord. We've produced a couple of episodes in the last few years about how to approach the task of motivating your people, and obviously, what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another. But there are some things you can do that are relatively simple, which have a high success rate. It's just that, like all the best leadership stuff, it's not easy, and it forces you to face the spectre of not being liked. That's enough to turn many leaders off the concept altogether. I'll begin today with a quick look at how the landscape has changed since I last touched on the topic of motivation. I'll then revise some of the core concepts of motivation and how to tap into people's intrinsic drivers. And I'll finish with some tips for how to nurse people through that tricky period between when action starts and motivation kicks in. So, let's get into it. A lot's happened since I last looked at the topic of motivation. All the way back in 2019, I released two episodes in fairly quick succession. The first was a Q&A with them. It was episode 30, When Money Doesn't Motivate. And I followed that up a few weeks later with episode 36, If Money Doesn't Motivate, Then What Does? Since then, we've seen the move to much more flexible working arrangements. And this has brought with it an expectation that working from wherever you want, whenever you want, is a right, not a privilege. And hey, there's no doubt that a lot of stuff can be done productively from home or from anywhere else for that matter. But as leaders, you have to think more broadly than just the question of task delivery. You've got to consider team performance, team culture, innovation, and talent management, just to name a few. These don't lend themselves as readily to having your people spread to the four winds. We've also seen labour market upheaval. Now, in many countries, there's been a swing towards left-leaning governments, and the clock's being wound back on industrial relations laws, often wiping out decades of progress. These can be incredibly restrictive when applying even the most basic disciplines, like performance management. I have a number of clients at the moment who are frustrated beyond belief at the degree of difficulty in executing some relatively straightforward people decisions. So whereas the stricter laws are good to protect individuals from unscrupulous employers, they also dumb down the workforce by making it more difficult to differentiate between individuals. And this is a prerequisite for both individual and team performance. As we're going to see in a minute, it's also a prerequisite for motivation. But instead, what we've seen is a small but noticeable shift towards the lowest common denominator. What else? Well, without harping on it too much, there are the well-documented trends of the great resignation and quiet quitting, which are probably more notable for the mood the media hype has managed to create in people, rather than any structural shifts in the work itself. Now, people are trying to exercise their choice to work less. But they still want to be paid the same, if not more. Which does go some way to explaining why we're starting to see productivity declines in many Western countries. As we look at the younger generations entering an ageing workforce now, they've never had to work in the manner or at the intensity that many of us would have in the past. And which is not to say that's necessarily a bad thing, but it seems entirely natural to them that they should have a four-day work week carried out from wherever they choose. Unfortunately, they're entering a workforce where at the moment the majority of other people are likely to outwork them. And even though they may have been raised with participation trophies and ninth place medals, the reality is that these things are unlikely to pan out for them the way they expect them to in the real world. All of this adds up to people being motivated by different criteria than perhaps they would have in the past, 
And of course, they'll make decisions based on these criteria. So the first interesting thing to think about is, as humans, we're much better at working out what's in our best short-term interest than our best long-term interest. Let's revise some of the core concepts of motivation. In episode 30, we answered a listener question about money as a motivator for people. Now, to cut a long story short, money is generally a hygiene factor. It isn't the primary motivator. Your pay has to be good enough. It has to be fair, and it has to be market competitive. And it has to meet the requirements of the psychological contract. You know, that's the unwritten contract that an employer and an employee have in their heads as a yardstick for what's fair to expect from each other. You can actually motivate people with bonuses if the bonus is substantial enough. But interestingly, this is unlikely to drive increased performance. So if it doesn't improve outcomes, you're really only using bonuses as an employee retention strategy. Hmm. (laughs) As we get back to the concept of individual differentiation, though, You want to pay your best people more. I found over the years that pay bands and compa ratios are entirely inadequate for this. And in most large organisations, well, let's face it, this is all you've got to use. You might be able to pay your top performers, say, 10 to 15% above the average for their role, but they're not delivering 10 to 15% more than the average person. They're delivering 100 to 150% more and they'll likely feel that they're not fairly compensated for the value they bring. And that is pretty reasonable. Having said that money isn't a primary motivator, don't get me wrong. Money's really cool. It won't make you happy per se, but it's an enabler for making everything you do easier. And because humans are predominantly short-term thinkers, many people will make a decision based on money. Why would I work here when I can get 30% more over there? Fair enough. The market seems to be settling just a little, so that might not quite be so much of a factor going forward. Following up my episode on why money isn't a primary motivator, episode 36 explored the question further. So what does motivate people? Daniel Pink published a definitive work on human motivation in his book, Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. Pink's conclusion spoiler alert here, was that human motivation is driven by three things, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Let's start with autonomy. People want to be able to influence their environment, to exercise their power of choice, and to not be constantly told what to do. No one likes that. If you can give people a sense of autonomy, this will motivate them much more than a 3% pay rise ever could. This is one of the harder elements of motivation to achieve. It means you have to be able to empower people to make decisions that are appropriate for their level and responsibilities. And the interesting thing is that empowerment and accountability have to travel together. They're two sides of the same coin. If you give people the empowerment to make decisions and do things their way, then you have to also make them accountable for the outcomes they achieve, or don't. Likewise, if you make people accountable for delivering outcomes, They have to be empowered and have the autonomy to be captains of their destiny. The next motivating force is mastery. People like to feel the sense of accomplishment that comes with improving and becoming more capable in the things they do. A sense of pride and accomplishment often coincide 
with the gaining of mastery. Not to mention the increase in expert power that gives them more cachet in their organisation's hierarchy. The third motivating force is purpose. We produced an episode a few months ago. It was episode 201, Finding Your Purpose, which was actually one of my favourites from last year. In this episode, I drew a clear distinction between finding your life's purpose and finding a purpose in your life. So as a leader, the greater you can bring a sense of purpose to your people's work, the better. It doesn't necessarily have to align with their life's purpose. That's going to be different for everyone. But people need to feel that they're doing more than just cranking the handle and picking up a paycheck. But communicating a genuine, unambiguous purpose to rally your people around can be challenging. Why should your people bother to give their best? What's in it for them? If you ask them to work to a higher standard, why would they, other than the fear of losing their jobs? Your people will be much better disposed to offer their discretionary effort if they understand a higher purpose and their role in achieving it. Communicating that purpose relentlessly and helping people to find individual meaning is essential. The greatest opportunity to motivate comes when you can manage to align your people to the core objectives of the organisation from top to bottom, with no loss of connection in between. It starts at the very top with purpose, flows through organisational strategy into tactical and operational plans, and eventually the purpose lands with extreme clarity on someone's desk at the front line. How do I fit into this picture? And what do I need to do today to contribute to the organization's success? I call this the school photo principle. People aren't capable of looking at the bigger picture until they can see where they fit. I want to finish by giving you my five tips for how to tap into people's motivation. And this is going to be available as a downloadable at yourceomentor.com forward slash episode 232. Let me start with a few basic mechanics. The first basic thing is, I just want to reiterate that there is no substitute for hiring better quality people. Now remember, in terms of return for effort, your best people return tenfold the outcomes when compared to your average person. So why spend all your energy motivating people who don't want to be motivated? Fill your team to the greatest extent possible with self-starters who want to achieve and deliver. It makes a monumental difference. That reduces the amount of time and energy that you're going to have to spend thinking about how to motivate someone. In that case, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Number two, if you have the flexibility, align your pay scales to individual performance to the greatest extent you possibly can. Even though we know money isn't the ultimate motivator, you can give your best people a sense of appreciation and respect by ensuring they get paid more for their efforts when they go over and above. So make sure your best people feel as though their remuneration is fair. And here's a key mindset for you to adopt. Many of your people will think they're worth more. They may even tell you they're worth more, but only you know if they truly are. Don't be afraid to differentiate. Don't be afraid to explain why. And most of all, don't be afraid to let people go if they want to, if they feel as though they're not getting paid enough. This is a really important mindset shift. Remember, an empty house is way better than a bad tenant. My third tip is, paint the picture of why as clearly as you possibly can. This is the purpose stuff that we've spoken about. It takes communication in both an upwards and a downwards direction to make this happen well. You need to be really clear yourself on how the work of your team fits into the purpose and strategy of the company. 
And you've got to be able to communicate that so that it's abundantly clear to your people. Remember, the holy grail of leadership is to connect the higher purpose of the company to the work that people do at each layer to fulfill that purpose. It's not easy, which is why you need to be thinking about it fairly constantly. Number four, stop doing dumb shit. Now, dumb shit falls into a few categories, but I'm talking specifically about breaking the principles of motivation that Dan Pink espouses. Autonomy, mastery, purpose. We've just spoken about purpose, and that takes active thought and engagement as a leader. But the other two can tend to happen fairly naturally, as long as you don't stuff it up by getting in your people's way. Let me just give you a quick example on autonomy. If you give someone a job to do, or an outcome to deliver, then let them have some say in how it gets delivered. When you give someone a job, paint a picture of the outcome you want. Functional requirements, delivery date, quality level, etc. As long as they produce the outcome, the what, you need to let that person have a large say in the how. Now, of course, there are going to be exceptions to this, for example, where uh, very precise and specific processes have to be followed, which is sometimes the case. But if you tell someone what to do and how to do it, and then hover over them, guess what you're doing? You're micromanaging. When that happens, you're robbing that person of their autonomy. And you're spending time doing a job you shouldn't be doing. You're being paid to do your job, not theirs. All right, my fifth and final tip is just a little more sophisticated. When it comes to motivation, we often try to motivate someone so that they'll be moved to action. But one of life's immutable principles is that motivation follows action, not the other way around. Just think about your first weeks returning to the gym or lacing up your running shoes again after an injury layoff. I guarantee that in those first few days and weeks, you will feel terrible. You'll have to haul your ass out of bed in the morning and find that getting back out is the last thing you feel like doing. You're not motivated in any sense of the word but you know you can look forward to the outcomes that are going to follow. So as the days and weeks go on, you start to see results. It starts to feel more natural. You feel the benefits of doing what you didn't feel like doing a week ago. It's exactly the same with your people at work. You can try to motivate them with a short-term sugar hit, a pay rise, more flexible working conditions, a career development carrot. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you want to motivate your people in a more sustainable way, you'll concentrate on helping them to take the actions that are necessary before the motivation kicks in. This is why we have the Challenge Coach Confront framework. I'm going to leave a link to the episode, episode 57, which goes through the Challenge Coach Confront framework. The challenge phase is where you stretch people to do something that pushes them to the edge of their experience and capability. And let's face it, they may not like that at first. Hey, you didn't like the alarm that woke you up to hit the gym either. But this is the door that you have to walk through if you want your people to reach a state of sustained motivation. All self-esteem comes from doing difficult things, period. If you believe this, you're going to be comfortable in stretching your people more. Then, the coaching phase kicks in, and this is the fun bit. It lets you help them through that ugly period between action and motivation. So stay close to them. Help them to solve their problems and to see that there's actually a light at the end of the tunnel. Be available when they need a shoulder to cry on. And don't let them off the hook until they get the sense of accomplishment that builds self-esteem and sustainable motivation. Bringing this all together, let's face it, 
human motivation is an incredibly complex beast. And as the world of work continues to evolve, there's many a challenge ahead for leaders. But the fundamentals don't tend to shift too much. Your challenge is to be confident enough to know what's best for someone in the long term, even when they can't see it in the short term. And for that, you need to put respect before popularity. Don't worry, your people will ultimately thank you for it. All right, so that brings us to the end of episode 232. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please share this episode with another leader who you know is going to benefit from working out how to motivate their people. I look forward to next week's episode where I'll be doing a Q&A with them. Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader.